gets me every time. Welcome back, everybody, to the No Lead Sports Podcast. I am Chris Witt, and with me, as always, is Mr. Adam Schmidt. Adam, how are you, sir? Excellent. How are you? Uh, if I was any better, I would be our guest. USA Today, beat writer for the Cincinnati Reds, Cincinnati Enquirer, uh, who has become, I believe now, the favorite the favorite in the booth with, uh, with Tom and the Cowboy, Mr. Bobby Nightingale Jr. I do have to correct you. You said I was doing the best, but I didn't go to Notre Dame. This is breaking news to me, but that was like – that was the one game I was <laughs> – Well, I'm going to tell you this. So, so we can start it off with this. So I, uh, my, my brother-in-law had tickets for, for well, his, I'm sorry. My brother-in-law's brother had four tickets for the game. I don't know how many people had to turn him down or how many people got pushed around on the list, but I was asked to go and, uh, we drove down there that morning, 5 AM, got down there, tailgated a little got all my pictures in front of touchdown Jesus. We got the, the golden dome in the background. I got pictures of Lou Holtz. I got, I got every, everything you could possibly do. We walked around that stadium. We were right in the section. We were about, I don't know, 30 rows up in the, in a section where there's a ton of UC fans down in the end zone. The most incredible, I got cold chills right now the most incredible atmosphere I have ever been a part of. I'm telling you right now, the, the Bearcats were on the total other side of the field. This is how loud it got. And at one point in time, they started a let's go Bearcats cheer. And it was so loud. They're down on the 20 on the other side. And the whole team turns around like in surprise and starts jumping up and down and screaming and looking down at it. It was amazing. Yeah, and I was I was stuck in Pittsburgh watching meaningless baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that was about as meaningless baseball as it gets too. There's no doubt. Well, I got to tell you, man, I I apologize for what you had to do watching uh, watching our Cincinnati Reds finish it off. But I really did have have a blast. I'm not a UC guy. I'm a Xavier guy, as you can tell by the blue in the background. Huge Xavier guy, but we don't have a football team, so why not root for the Bearcats and. Uh, Man, I'll tell you what, after something like that, that could make me a Bearcat football fan for for life because that was an experience. That was – it's. I mean, that will never happen again. It's the first time they played since 1900. Wow. It's insane. I was only like four or five. Yeah, insane. <laughs> um, yeah, you old man. Yes, you were. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, very cool for the city. Um but I'll tell you what is and, – and what was not cool for the city was exactly what Bobby was talking about the last week playing games that didn't matter for the Cincinnati Reds. And I, I want to start off with a gripe that I have, and I just want to get your opinion on this, Bobby. I, I know how it works getting toward the end of the season when the magic number gets down into the single digits and down into, you know, four, three, two, one. I think the magic number was one but there was less than a week to play and the reds chose two days in a row, I believe to, to give the ball to guys making their major league debuts on the mound. What, 
was there, I mean, to me, I felt like that was the point that they gave up, but they weren't mathematically eliminated, even though in the next five days, five or six days, whatever it was, they probably were going to, especially with the way the Cardinals finished the season. But was there, I mean, were you surprised that because it was less than a week and they, they weren't completely eliminated that the, they gave those guys opportunities at that point? No, just, just because it was kind of out of necessity. Like Wade Miley, he, he would have started one of those games if he was healthy, um, just had a neck thing. You know, maybe if it was last day of the season, you're fighting for the playoffs, maybe he tries to pitch through it. But he had struggled the last few times trying to pitch through it. So I understood why he went on the injured list. And, uh, you know, Vladimir Gutierrez, same thing. He, he hit a wall. I mean, he definitely looked fatigued, wasn't the same guy the last month. So I, th- I think it just turned into a numbers game. Like, we have no other starters left, so might as well give these guys a chance to pitch here. You never know. I mean, the, the San Martin, uh, Raver San Martin, he looked decent. I mean, yeah. he, he, he performed well. I mean, it, both of his starts were against the Pirates, but he did what he needed to do. Um, you know, Riley O'Brien had a really short start, really wasn't given a chance. He got four outs, I think, against the White Sox. But I, I just think it was one of those things they just ran out of pitching at the end and um, you know, other teams ran into those problems earlier. It's just unfortunate for the Reds. It was just the last week of the season. They had nobody left. Sure. That makes sense. And and maybe I didn't realize how, how injured those other guys, Wade Miley was and, and uh, Vladimir Gutierrez, you're right. He was, he was, I mean, that's the most he's pitched I'm sure ever. Um, so he was, yeah. And, and he was great most of the season. And I, I think that's a big part of, I think we can point to a lot of guys. The reason they had a really good season, except for the last six weeks or whatever it was when they lost so many series in a row. But um, but going back to that, to the last, to that last, really last month, month and a half, um, Chris and I had this conversation before. People started talking about, you know, the effort um, and maybe even just being fatigued. Uh, throughout the th- throughout the team, it seemed like I-, I was hearing a lot of people talk about how they just don't aren't seeing the effort there. Did you feel like that? I, I feel like people say that a lot at the end of se- at the end of seasons when things aren't going well, just because that's an easy thing to point to. Did you feel like there was definitely fatigue through the entire team? Were they feeling one sixty two games? Yeah, I mean, I think. There's partially that. I mean, I, I think every team feels that, especially after a 60-game season. It's like, wow, we – even as a writer, it was like by the time we got to August, I was like, wow, we still have two months left. Like, this is this is a long season compared to normal. <laughs> but but I, I just think any team looks lifeless when they're not scoring, and they weren't scoring those last three weeks. I mean, even if you look at last year's team, the 2020 team, I mean, for most of the year, everyone kept railing on them. Like, these guys are not fun to watch. They're terrible. I was like, this is a good team. They're just not scoring. They're not hitting. They have the worst batting average in the league. I, d- I just think when you don't score, every team looks bad. I mean, the Padres look bad when they're not scoring. And they have two, you know, Tatis and Machado. I mean, those are two of the top ten hitters in the league. Um, so, I mean, I, I think everyone kind of – when you when you don't score, you look a lot worse. And the Reds have dealt with a ton of injuries, too. I mean, you look at what their outfield turned into. I mean, you lost Jesse Winker, Tyler Naquin, Nick Senzel. Um you know, you just had a lot of guys injured at the end of the season. Like you mentioned, they had to start two rookie starters back-to-back. So it was just one of those injuries hit at the wrong time, um, and, and they stopped scoring. And I, I always think teams look worse when they're not scoring. Without a doubt, yeah. So it also doesn't help 
it doesn't help when you have a team chasing you that wins 21 of their last 25 games. So makes it kind of tough. I mean, that's an insane streak to win 17 in a row. Like, I can't imagine what that would have been like covering it, just seeing that unfold. Um, I mean, they were playing good baseball when the Reds played them last. They, they took two and three in that series. But to win 17 with the pressure of – I mean, they're the one team that kind of played well. Every, all the other wild guard teams struggled. So, I mean, credit to them for kind of seizing the opportunity. Yeah, and what do you attribute, speaking of the, the offense kind of hitting a – hitting a wall or whatever you want to talk about. I mean, what do you attribute that to? Because that, that was, it was, the season was so exciting overall to me. I, I'm not disappointed. I mean, I'm disappointed they didn't get in the playoffs because of the, the position they were in a month ago, but overall the season was really fun to watch because they were so much better offensively than they were here before. And it was fun to watch, you know, Castellanos and Winker and Votto. And a lot of times they had, and, and Tyler Naquin, they had two or three guys really hitting the ball great at the same time for a lot of the year. And then it seemed like almost everybody felt, I mean, Suarez actually got, got going at the end of the year uh, and Votto really still kind of hung in there too, but, and, and even Castellanos, but they just did not score nearly as much. I mean, why do you think that happened? Well, like before, so in August, the Reds played the Brewers for the last time it was a three game series in Milwaukee. Uh, Brewers won two or three. So right before that series, Corbin Burns, who he'll probably, he has a good chance of winning the Cy Young, he, he was break. He was talking to their media, so I wasn't there, but I saw the quotes from it. And he goes, "Hey, this is a really tough lineup, but with Jesse Winker out, he's like, I don't know if anyone realizes how much that dude impacts their lineup. And if you look at it, I mean, with him out, I mean, they were not the same team. Uh, you know, Jonathan India, I think, started to, to feel the rookie most games he's played in a year. I thought I think he started to feel that towards the end. Um, but I mean, if you had Winker hitting it next to Castellanos and Votto for that last month, I think that changes a lot of things. I mean, he, he was a league leader in a ton of categories when he got hurt. Um, and so losing him, I, I think that was kind of the biggest thing was for the rest of the offense. I think they felt that, and, um, they really struggled against left-handed pitching too. Um, and that, and that was partially a Eugenio Suarez struggling most of the year. If he, if he would have been the September version, I think they would have done better against lefties, but um too little too late in that regard yeah yeah um so then I mean that kind of brings us to the end of the season and then going into what's going to happen in the off season, right um Chris yes can I, ask, can I ask a question about the end of the season a question that has been uh, burning me at the soul for the the last I'm going to say three weeks maybe four weeks of the season um, I, I am a big fan of, um, of veteran players and signing veterans at the end of the year and getting them in, especially into a team that's in a playoff race, somebody that, you know, has been in playoff races before. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, I think it's important for your, for your dugout and your clubhouse, but if you got a guy that can't get a hit over the span of however long, at what point in time? Would a normal team just stop playing him? Because if you look at, if you look at Carberry, how many starts did he get? I mean, I think he only got one or two, right? The entire time. I wouldn't have given him any after the fact that he couldn't. He was O for his first 14. But I don't know if he started after that. I mean, he came off the bench. You know, people were upset that he pinch hit in some big spots, but it was one of those big spots, big spots. 
But I think part of that was just he was a switch hitter. I mean, he was the one guy that if you used all your lefties in the starting lineup, he was the one lefty on the bench. You used all your righties in the starting lineup, he was the one um, lefty on the righty or lefty on the bench. So I think it was just a numbers game. I, I know his numbers are terrible, but it's also the – you balance what he's done his 15-year career versus a very small sample. There were was some big at-bats he got that I, I thought, you know, I would have gave him to somebody else, but I understood the decision-making saying, you know, there, there is 15 years of a career there that you kind of have to – trust those numbers as much as you trust over 10. I, I totally, I totally respect the guy as a baseball player. He was, he was a really good ball player for, for a long time. My whole thing that I, and is, and, and I'm, and I think Bell gets this a lot and maybe it's just because maybe it only happens when it's like any other manager, right? You make the wrong decision. It's the fact when he's 0 for 13 as a red, and then it's the bottom of the ninth inning or bottom of the eighth inning. And you've got two guys on and you're down by one with two outs. And Cabrera is the one that I see walking up to the plate. Those are the things that I don't understand. I'm fine with the guy. Like you said, 15 years. I'm, I, I respect him totally. I love him on the team. I'm sure he's great in the clubhouse. Give him some at-bats. Even let him start here and there, you know, when we need a, need a spot start. But those pinch hits are the ones I don't understand. And I know Bell got resigned. I'm happy for that. I'm not upset about that at all. But what what are the what's what is the thought process from somebody on the outside looking in that covers this team every day? When you see that guy walk up to the plate, what do you think? I mean, he was he was struggling. I mean, there's no doubting that. I mean, it took him what 23 at bats to get a hit. I mean, there's no hiding from those numbers. It's just one of those, I can tell you, David Bell trusted him more than he trusted, you know, the Aquinos or the Barreros to get a hit in those certain spots. I mean the Matter of the fact, their bench wasn't very good in September, um, and they just didn't have many guys there that were trustworthy. I mean, Barrero, for all his oh. is still not a – he hasn't proven he's a, a major league everyday hitter yet, like they expect him to be yeah. in the future. Yeah. yeah. The whole team just wasn't hitting, and that doesn't help. It's just one more thing to add on to it, which is the reason why I shouldn't even be upset about it because it's not that big of a deal because the, in the end, would you grade this team – is having a good year because I say this was a really good year. I was shooting for 86. If I, I said in the beginning of the year they get 86 wins, this is a real effort for this team. Here we are. What do we win? 88 or 80, 87, something like that. I was right in that. It was right in that number. I feel like that's still a good year. It's disappointing at the end because of how well they played in the middle, but it was still a good year. How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I think it was they exceeded my expectation. I think I had them 76, 77 win range. And they, they got to 83, I think. So, I mean, they, they did that job that they were supposed to. I mean, I think what most fans come back to is you exceeded our expectations over the summer. Then you had a two-game lead in the wild card with a month left, a soft schedule, and you didn't take advantage of it at all. I mean, if you, even if they had played halfway decent and the Cardinals took it by their 17-game winning streak and they lost it that way, that would be just as painful, but it was just the way they – you know, you lose two or three to the Cubs, two of the three to the Marlins. I mean, they lost to some pretty bad teams, um, games they should have won. And I think that's where the frustration comes in. And I get that frustration because it was like the opportunity was there. Yes. Yes, that was the biggest part. The opportunity was there. I I feel like, speaking of the, the Dribble Cabrera thing, that made me really focus on where this team is at on Aristides Aquino. 
because there were some opportunities. I, I think you sort of mentioned it there that in situations where, and they, their bench was thin because of injuries. I mean, certainly, but there were some spots where I just, I noticed like, couldn't this be a, a spot where Aristides Aquino either, either pinch hits here or even toward the end of when Jose Barrero is starting in center field because, and, and Aquino wasn't playing at all. Um, I, I was like, are they just completely down on this guy? I mean, he's on the major league roster. If you're not going to use him ever, <laughs> I mean, or if you're hardly going to use him, what do you, what are their, what do you think their plans are? What do you think they're going to do with him next year? Yeah. I mean, I think they're still somewhat on him. I mean, I, I think their sitting coach is planning to go to the, see him in the Dominican Republic or he's going to fly to Arizona. I'm not sure which way they're going, but he's supposed to work with hitting coaches, red sitting coaches in the off season which makes me think, okay, they still believe in him. Um, but, I mean, the matter of the fact is he's, he's kind of like a he either homers or he strikes out. I mean, it's it seems like most of his at-bats end that way. And so he's going to have to cut down into strikeouts to have a legitimate chance to, to be an everyday type guy. Um, but if you lose Nick Castellanos, you have a huge hole in your outfield that someone has to fill at some point. And um, unless they sign someone or trade for someone, you know, Aquino's going to have to play next year to, to kind of fill that. And, and let's use that to go right into that, the offseason, and we'll start with Nick Castellanos. Has the, it's an opt-out, right? Mm-hmm. So he's, he's going to be, from everything I've seen, maybe the top or certainly one of the top couple outfielders as a free agent if he does opt out. Um, is there any shot at all? I mean, what, if you're giving this a percentage, I hate to put you on the spot like that, if there's a percentage that you think the Reds re-sign him or whatever, you know, yeah, re-sign him, basically, if he opts out. Uh, what would you put that at? I mean, probably like the 5 to 10% range. I mean, you'd have to spend – I've seen some people say, like, I don't think he'll get $100 million. He's been making $16 million. Maybe it goes up to 20 to 25 But there's still a lot of teams that are not high on his defense at all. I think he should be a full-time DH or first baseman. Um, you know, and I, I do think the Reds are okay with him in right field, which – kind of benefits them there. Um, I, I think it's almost a lock he opts out unless he's scared about the the next the collective bargaining agreement for the sport ends in December. Um, so there could be a lockout. So I, I could see that being the one thing that would kind of throw a curveball at him and saying, okay, I'm not going to do it. Just um, I, I, I don't know what the future holds for the sport that way. Um, but if he does opt out, Reds are competing against a lot more teams. Reds traditionally aren't a, a, a club that wins free agent battles. So I'd probably put it under 10%. Yeah. And, so what, are, what are the chances that something goes bad in this for a lockout before we get into any more of that? You brought, up, you brought up a chance at something like that. What are the key things going into, uh, going into the collecting of bargaining agreement this winter? That they'll be yeah, fighting? I mean, it, it ends on December 1st, and I, I think there will definitely be a lockout at, in December. I don't know if it will be long enough where it causes – spring training to be delayed or the regular season, a short regular season. But I definitely think that December 1st deadline is going to get blown past. Um, but you're going to see some changes. I mean, I think universal DH is going to be in the net. That'll be a new rule. Um, expanded postseason, I think, is coming. You'll see an extra team added to the playoffs. Um, yeah, I could, I could see some of those. I mean, I, I think they're working towards some more rules like automatic strike zone and um, – Maybe they'll, they're going to take a look at shifts and all that type of stuff. But 
that'll be the main thing is universal DH expanded postseason. Um, and then they're just going to see there might, there might be some changes in the way players are paid. Maybe some younger players are able to make more money early on um, instead of having to wait till free agency to get their first real payday. And if you want to see Chris smile right now, I did see that it's pretty much a guarantee that they, well, starting in the postseason and beyond, no more guy at second in extra innings, right? Yeah, man. For oh, my God. Thank God. you, Jesus. It's <laughs> the greatest news I've ever heard. We're not playing beer league softball anymore. Thank God. It's actual baseball. So ridiculous. I got a question for you. Is that an RBI? Do you get an RBI for that? Yeah. Okay. So is that so? It's uh, you, I, of course I realize. Of course, that's an obvious question. You get a run scored for that, right? I mean, you scored yeah. a run. Mm. So if you go zero for four with four strikeouts and you score the game-winning run, there's no there for for the history of the game. There will never be anywhere that says how you got on base. Right. Exactly. So stupid. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You could you can hit a leadoff two run home. I understand. Yeah, exactly. You can hit a leadoff two run homer. So ridiculous. I'm so happy to hear. I did not hear that that was gone. So that tells you how out of it I've been here the last week or so. But geez, oh Pete, I couldn't stand that. Um, I do like the universal DH though. I'm I'm intrigued by that. I'm really pumped up about that. Is there any way we can get rid of the seven inning double headers? Since you're going to be, you know, I feel like you are. Bobby now is, you know, he's, he's, he's in with the in crowd in Major League Baseball. I'm sure you'll be at the winter meetings. Uh, can, you, can you get into some, some owner's ears and get rid of the seven-inning doubleheader? I know you like it because it makes your day shorter. I think that's gone. Is that gone too? Oh, my gosh. My whole life is getting better. Oh, <laughs> I feel like baseball's back again. I feel like baseball is back again. All right, we can go back to uh, we can go yeah. back to we can go back to who's going to be on this team next year. We talked about Castellanos. It's not like he's coming back. So everybody else is pretty much arbitration eligible. Um, so you're not going to see that way outside. Of, uh, I believe Michael Lorenzen and Tucker Barnhart. Lorenzen, I can't. I, I imagine they're going to go after Lorenzen. I mean, they've done. A, I, I can't imagine he's going to be going after that much money, but I could be wrong. I, I talked to him at the near the end of the season, last week of the season, and he, he made it sound like um, – I'll have a story on it in Cincinnati.com for the plug. But um, he made it sound like he, he thinks – I like he's it. Next year. He does not he, – he said he wants to be a starter still and um, thinks it might have to be elsewhere to do that. Wow. Interesting. Ah, that's a so, so then, it's a I, bummer. Yeah, because he was gonna, he was supposed to get an opportunity at that this year, but it never really happened. So yeah, he got hurt got for uh, first three months. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I'm not, I'm not sure, Bobby. You can speak better to this than I can, but I'm not sure he would have even as much of an opportunity if he is healthy going into next year because they've got enough arms now that it seems like they, I and mean, they're going to have to probably replace. That's another one. Wade Miley has a club option, so we'll find out. L- let's just. Let's just go over that one really quick. Do you think they re-sign? I think it would be like $10 million that he would make. Um, what, do you, I mean, do you think they'll try to re-sign or they'll, they'll pick up the option, I mean, on Wade Miley? I think they will. I mean, unless you're trying to cut money for next year, but 
I mean, I, I mean, you're really just betting on if he can be healthy because if he's healthy, he's shown he can. He's a really good pitcher. Um, when he when he's been battling injuries, that's when he struggled. 2020 end of this year, um, but I I just think with so many young pitchers like you have Hunter Green, Nicolodolo, those guys coming up, it'd be great if they earn those spots. But I don't think you want to go into the season saying one of them has to be in your rotation, otherwise the season's going to go south. So I I, I would pick it up and just I mean it's only one more year. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And then the other club option is Tucker Barnhart. Now, seems like Stevenson is ready, but, you know, he's certainly a much better hitter than Barnhart. But Barnhart, I, I would still think, is a, a quite a bit better defensive catcher. Um, so, I mean, do you think they put a premium on defensive catching and go ahead and pick up his option? Or do you think they're like, all right, it's, it's Tyler Stevenson's time to catch almost every day and we'll bring somebody else along to be the backup? How do you think they handle that? I think he's going to, they're not going to pick up his, I think they'll pick up Miley and leave Barnhart. I, I do think they value everything he does works with the pitching staff, his defense, like you said, gold Glover, a lot better than Stevenson defensively. I think at, at least at blocking pitches, but I, I just think they're going to opt for you sign a veteran backup, like a Kirk Casale type for one or $2 million and save money that way and use it elsewhere. With a universal DH, is there an opportunity? I mean, Tyler Stevenson showed that he could hit the ball. I mean, is there an – well, it just it, – it breaks my heart to hear. For, I mean, that's the fan out of me, right, not the business side of it. But that glove, that it's the – he's the best defensive catcher in baseball over the past three, four years. Well, I, I would hate to lose that when you've got a guy who's hitting the ball really well now who can take his place behind the plate every now and then and possibly be your – DH and maybe your eventual in the next two, three years starting first baseman. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I they definitely love Tyler Stevenson's bat. I do. I think, I think he has the highest yeah. rookie right now. Um, but I, I just think if you, if you start Stevenson, say you split the time 50, 50, that's a lot of money to be giving Barnhart unless he's your true starting catcher you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to start him 110 games behind the plate to make it worth. I mean, it's a $3 million raise from what it is now, his salary now. And you cut, you kind of have a bloated bench. That's the problem too. Like if you have Moustakis and Suarez, you only have one position to play them. Um, so you're looking at putting one of them on the bench if you already have another true DH. So I, I just think it's tough that way too. You have some bad contracts that you can't get out of. Hmm. Yeah, man, I never thought of it that way. See, that's why we have Bobby on here to tell to talk me out of all the things I think would be perfectly great for this Reds club. And then he's like, "No, remember we've got Mustakis and Suarez that have to try to play third base." That's right. So, so what's that? I did. I, I got to tell you though, Suarez did good at the end of the year. I mean, he really came on. Hopefully, that can continue on in the next year, and we can get the Suarez of three years ago back. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know he was excited about. It. Finally, something positive went his way for a good stretch. Um, but, I mean, he, ha- he, has to, he has to be better than he was this year. I mean, I think he was a big reason why, um, you know, they struggled so much against left-handed pitching. Why they, if, he, if he was able to hit like he did in September, I think he could have lived with his shortstop at the beginning of the year. Offense would have been a lot better. Uh, so, I mean, he, he was such a big key to the coming into the year, and he uh, dropped the ball there. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. You could almost is Kyle Farmer a 
Sorry. No, that, I was going to say that, that was, I mean, he was so bad offensively, but still hit, you know, hit his power numbers and everything. And you could almost live with that a little bit more, especially this year with the, how good Castellanos and Votto and, and Winker and everybody were, if he wasn't so bad defensively sometimes. I mean, that, I feel like that really puts him over the top as far as having to really consider next year, who do you play in the, do you play him in the field at all? Um, cause he's, I mean, at this point, he's maybe Joey Gallo at the plate and not so good. <laughs> I don't know who you compare him to in the field, but, um, I, go ahead, Chris, you, you had something about Kyle Farmer. I was going to say Kyle Farmer playing short, right? So, so the guy stepped in and played phenomenal for, you know, 80 to 90% of the year. The guy was awesome. He's got a couple years of arbitration left on him. Is it? I mean, obviously, you would want to keep a guy like that, but is there really a spot for him on this team in the future? I mean, if his bat does what it did this year, how consistent can that be? He He's not – I mean, is he really going – he's not our shortstop of the future, I can't imagine. What – and you've got your second baseman of the future. What, what, where, where's Farmer's future sit with this team? Yeah, I mean, it's either you make him starting shortstop again next year um, and maybe move Jose Barrero to center field because he looked really good out there. Or you move it, Jose Barrero, make him your starting shortstop because he's ultimately your shortstop of the future. Um, and then put Kyle Farmer in that backup role. I mean, injuries are going to happen. I mean, Jonathan India got hit by 23 pitches, and I, I feel like he was lucky he didn't break anything in one of those 23 pitches because he got a lot of them on the hands and wrists and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, injuries do happen. So, I mean, there will be ways he gets his bat into the lineup. Um, but I think he proved that if you can live with – he's not going to be an above-average hitter, but if you can live with slightly below average, but his – thousand innings I mean he was, he was great for them defensively so I, I think you could live with that um, if you can improve the rest of your offense around him other otherwise you just put him into a utility role and wait till a position opens for him. so my last thing really for for as far as people who are free agents or you know guys who may or may not be back Talked about Lorenzen, who was obviously a big part of the of the bullpen, and the bullpen was overall not very good, and especially early on. And then they made a couple of trades around the trade deadline and brought in Michael Givens, um, who ended up being a pretty big part of this of this bullpen as well. And he's a free agent as well. Is, is that correct? Yep, correct. So then, what is the, especially with Lorenzen, if he if they don't feel like he is going to want to come back. I mean, is that a really important signing then, especially if you don't bring back Castellanos, Barnhart, and Lorenzen? You've got a little bit of money now, not that you even have to pay him that much. But, I mean, is, do you think Michael Givens is a, a pretty important piece to re-sign? I mean, I, th- I think they have to fix their bullpen somehow, especially if Lorenzen's gone. you gotta, you got to get true guys. I mean, Antone's out for the entire next season. Mm-hmm. So you have to get – whether it's a proven closer or more guys like Michael Gibbons or Michael Gibbons himself, you have to get two or three relievers, I think, to feel good about the bullpen. I, th- I think they'll do it more trades than free agent signings. That's just the, the sense I get right now. I mean, obviously a long way before the true off season begins, but it just seems like there's, there's ways to fill some of that with trades, adding some extra relievers, but 
I definitely think you can't afford to lose both Michael Lorenzen and Michael Givens and not do add some big pieces there um, and feel good about your bullpen because as they showed in the first half, when you don't have a good bullpen, you don't feel good about a lead and that doesn't do you any good. Right. Well, I, I mean, we covered a lot of the positions, I, you know, outfield. Actually, let me ask one more thing about Tyler Naquin intrigues me a lot because um, he was really good for almost all the time that he played. Um, and unfortunately he was another guy that dealt with an injury, but um, where do you see, do you see him fitting in to one of the three outfield spots to start next year? Or is, do you think he's going to be a pretty important bench player, maybe a fourth outfielder, if you want to call it that, where do you think he stands? I think he'll definitely be a starter or at least, a you know, maybe you platoon him, have another lefty to pair with him uh, or right-handed hitter to hit lefties because he's a left-handed hitter. Um, but if you remember, I mean, 2019, Jesse Winker was the primary DH. So if they moved to Winker back to DH, he's probably your starting left fielder for most of the season. Um, if you keep Winker in left field, um, center field, you have Jose Barrero, Nick Senzel. So maybe he's looking at right field unless you get someone who can kind of fill Cassiano's shoes. If Cassiano's came back, you know, then he's probably your center fielder again. So I, I definitely think he's a starter role. I just there's a lot of flexibility about what position he could play out there, um, left, center, right. But I, I definitely think he has a role. Man, you just said a whole lot of outfielders' names. I never heard Akiyama's name one time. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's kind so, of – I, I don't know where he fits anymore. I mean, I think that's that's kind of the – I mean, if you look at how they used him at the end of the season, he was, barely had any at-bats in September. Yeah, I mean that's eight million dollars next year, right? He's making he's supposed he's due to make eight million dollars next year. So, is he? Uh, are you trying to sign him? Are you trying to trade him? Are you trying to? Are you just cutting him? I mean, is he? I mean, I imagine that he's gonna get an opportunity. But what happens to a guy like him? Yeah, I mean, you 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 hold on. To, I mean, I, I I don't think you can. I don't think anyone's gonna trade for him at eight million dollars. No. Just what he hasn't really done much his first two years. Yeah, he had one good September 2020, but outside of that, he just had a ton of production, hasn't shown any power at the plate, and this is kind of a power game these days. So, I mean, maybe maybe you bring him into camp, and if there's injuries, he's a good good insurance option, good defender. But um, you just wish he had hit for more power. I mean, he hit 20 plus homers for like five straight years in Japan. You just wonder why he hasn't shown that yet in his his game because if you're not going to hit for power, you have to be on base a ton, and he, he hasn't done that either. Yeah. Uh, I think that's all I have as far as uh, position players and all that stuff goes, Chris. If you if you don't have anything else, we can uh, ask Bobby about our uh, Mount Rushmore. It's currently the top of the seventh the uh the the wild one card game the one card the one game game seven wild card uh between the dodgers and the st louis cardinals i don't know who decided to do the podcast at this time but i'm having a whole lot of trouble not watching this game because it is this is a really good baseball game anyway so i just want to be on the record that i i just want to be on the record that i love the one game wild card 
Everyone, so do I, Bobby. Love it. But I love it. <laughs> we 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 gave Chris a lot earlier when we gave him all that good news about the future <laughs> stuff. We got to bring him back down to earth a little bit. <laughs> I'm sitting back. I'm keeping my mouth shut. I'm keeping my. I'm not gonna say. I, you know what? It's. I understand that it's good for baseball. I understand like this. These are the highest rated games outside of the World Series in in the entire baseball season or these two one game playoffs. I understand. I understand all that fun stuff. But 162 games are played. You have two teams that won over 100 games. One of them's got to play in a one game wild card. Which, you know, it, it, again, again, you know, win your division. You know what I mean? Win your division, you don't have to worry about it. I get that. But baseball is all about series. Every aspect of baseball is winning a series. If you win every series, you're going to be a really good baseball team. So just have to randomly just play a team one time for your entire postseason is so difficult for me to wrap my head around. That's my tough. That's the toughest thing for me. I don't hate it. I just don't like it. I get people who don't like it, especially Reds. I mean, the Pittsburgh game, I get that. But to me, it's like you're rooting for a game seven in every series anyway. Here, This is a one-game game seven. Adam Schmidt talking right there. Sounds right. just like Adam Schmidt right there. <laughs> I'll take 100 game sevens. I, I, just stop. Then why do we play 162 games? Let's just take – how many series do the Reds play in a season? How many I'm with series? You. I'm with you, Chris. Let's knock it down to like 120. Let's shorten that regular season. No, it doesn't even need to be 120. Look, 162, let's just say your average is uh, three and a half games. So let's just make it 46-game season. Let's just go 46 <laughs> games. They're all game sevens. They're all the last game. They all – the one time you play that team means everything. It's I'll not tell baseball. You, I, I That's love, football, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's football. <laughs> We're not playing football. <laughs> I do love the one-game wild card. But it's it's really strange when it's like the Dodgers and they won 105 games or whatever it was. Yeah. Really weird, a team like that. Like, I understand the other teams who, like, you know, like we're at 90 wins, high 80s or whatever that, that play that game. A, a team like the Dodgers, who I still think are, the, is, are probably the best team in baseball, at least talent-wise on paper – it's so weird to, to see a team that won that many games and are that good playing one game, but I still love it. They should have, they should have beat the giants two more times. That's right. That's, That's right. exactly, you're exactly right. That's, I mean, it's that simple. It's that simple. Hey, is anybody going to watch be- the, is anybody going to watch the giants Rays world series, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'm gonna, get, uh, I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> I will, but I don't think very many people are. <laughs> they get good ratings in Cincinnati since they're all uh, Giants are like all Cincinnati rotation. Sorry, that's true. Yeah, yeah, basically. Watch Johnny Cueto pitch. Uh, so before we get to uh, our Mount Rushmore, if you're into doing the Mount Rushmore, I don't know if I'm, I think Adam sent it out to you. Before we get to that, I just want to tell you the piece that the Reds did on you and your dad was one of the mm. coolest things I have ever got to see. And uh, it gives me cold chills thinking how – I mean, that is it's, – it's, it's an amazing story. If you haven't seen it, I think it's out on one of the stations or maybe – I don't know. It's on something. You can go and actually watch it. 
but it's a whole thing about Bobby and his dad, who's been in baseball, writing baseball, writing in baseball for how many years? I don't know. How many years has dad been doing this? Longer than I've been alive. <laughs> there you go. And, and Bobby now has been with the Reds for, this is your, what, third season with the Reds, correct? Fourth, yeah. Fourth. So, and it was, it's a really cool story. They're together. There's a bunch of pictures of you guys next. Uh, it's, it's just really cool. And I just wanted to tell you, man, it's a, it's a, it, it was really cool getting to watch that. I, I don't know how it was, you know, putting that whole thing together. I don't know how weird it is to always be behind the scenes and then have the camera focused on you. But I got to tell you from our side, it looked really cool. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, Bally Sports, they did a phenomenal job with it. They just came up to came up to us and were like, we're interested in doing it and did it over Zoom one day. And turned out, I thought it turned out way better than I imagined it would. So uh, that was cool. Very cool. It was really cool. And they so played it were... quite a few times throughout the season. Yeah, so... good, good rain delay material. <laughs> that's true <laughs> that's true all right so bobby i don't know i mean you can you can decline this or whatever but we did our mount rushmore for this week is uh the mount rushmore of negro league players so uh i don't know if you have four that you want to throw out there yeah i'm in so so bobby to to, to just to tell you this up front I want you to know that this is not who you – this doesn't necessarily have to be the greatest Negro League players ever. This is your personal Mount Rushmore. I like to try to make emphasize that. So if yeah. you put somebody on there that you're like, eh, I mean, I got to have him, right? I mean, if this is your personal Mount Rushmore. I've been, I've been to the Negro League Museum three times. Oh. Oh, so nice. It's amazing. I want to go to you guys are ever so in Kansas lucky. City. It's a great place to go. So here's my never my been. I want to go there so bad. All right, let's hear it. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Uh, Satchel Page, number one. <clears throat> I mean, he was like 46 years old and he made MLB All Star teams. I mean, yeah. I mean, he pitched, he pitched till he was like 88 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he pitched three scoreless innings, I think, at like 55. So it was like, he was amazing. Uh, Josh yeah. Gibson, Black Babe Ruth, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Although, uh, Maybe Austin better. Austin. That's my third one. And then uh, Cool Papa Bell, just for all the stories about his speed. I always have a soft spot for it. Dude, uh, so I'm just going to tell you this. I'm just going to tell you this. And I got a feeling it's going to be the same as Adam. But you had three of the four exactly the same as mine. <laughs> So I'll go ahead and go next because Cool Papa Bell is my all-time favorite Negro League baseball player for all those same reasons. You can look – and that's kind of the coolest thing about a lot of these guys is the stories that are told. And Satchel Paige, the stories he tells about himself are amazing. Josh Gibson, obviously the lore around him, those three. And then the fourth one, there's so many – that are just that next level, right? And when me and Adam did this, we said we're not going to talk about Willie Mays or Hank Aaron or or Jackie Robinson because they spent most of their time in the big leagues. So, Bobby, you don't you don't know my uncle. He's got Down syndrome. He's he's fifty, I don't know, seven, fifty eight years old. The biggest Reds fan you'll ever meet in your entire life. And he calls everybody a turkey. 
I don't know why. He calls them all turkey boy. He says, hey, turkey boy, what are you doing, boy, turkey? So I have to put on my Mount Rushmore, Norman Turkey Stearns. <laughs> Not to mention the fact that the guy had like a 38 war. His war was 38. There's only like five other players, four or five other players in Negro League history that had a higher war than that, which I don't know how you get. Like, a, like who was it? I was looking at one of them. I think it's Satchel Page. They have his war. Let me pull this up real quick because I got him sitting here. Satchel Page's war at 46.3. How are your win your wins above her? He didn't pitch in 46 games. Well, and actually, I take that back. He probably did pitch in 46 <laughs> games a year. So uh, yeah, that, that probably is true. Oh, Turkey Stearns was 49.7. However much you put in the saber metrics, 49.7 wins above replacement it's insane that's it's i mean geez pete it's just crazy there you go all right so talking about the numbers i i you know i wanted to look up like okay let's go by the numbers i love doing that i love doing that that research but the one of the first things i read was and i've heard this for a long time is you can find numbers on these guys but nobody really knows how accurate they are so I kind of went, I kind of went the other way. And like you said, the stories are what really makes all of these guys careers to me, you know, and, and the, I'm sure it's like the, uh, like the museum, like I'm sure the stories and the things that you, that you find out are the best part about this. So same thing for me, Josh Gibson hearing for a long time that maybe he hit 800 home runs or more. Absolutely. I'll take that. I call him the home run King for sure. Just because I don't want to call bonds, the home run King. Um, <laughs> so it's either Hank Aaron. Hey, or hey, careful now. Careful now. You're talking, you're, yeah, you're stepping on Bobby's buddy there. That's I know. Bobby's old workout partner. Bobby's got close ties <laughs> to those guys. I'll tell you. Um, no, Josh Gibson, uh, for that reason, certainly hearing all the stories about his power. Um, I am putting, you know, I almost put Satchel Page on there. I almost put Cool Papa, cool Papa Bell because I love speed guys. I didn't put those guys on there. Smokey Joe Williams, because in a, a, a poll that they took in 1952 among Negro League players, they polled them and they named him at that time the best pitcher they had ever seen, even over Satchel Page. Uh, John Henry Lloyd, Pop Lloyd was a shortstop Babe Ruth in an interview once said he is the greatest player he ever saw for that reason. I'm putting him on there. And then Oscar Charleston. Um, he just was compared mostly to Willie Mays, Tris speaker, Babe Ruth. He was like a five tool guy. They talk about, he played outfield and first base. Um, and, uh, he was named, uh, one of the four greatest bill bill james named him one of the four like the fourth greatest player ever um so wow. you know for, for for those reasons i stuck those guys on but i'm all on board with satchel page with with cool papa bell and all those other guys you guys mentioned um so many so many cool stories and yeah I, i'm dying to get to that museum so speaking of Tris Speaker, you know he holds the record for most unassisted triple plays in what major league baseball history, right? Is it two? No, he's got like it's like 13. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he was a center fielder 
How do you get that many unassisted triple plays as an outfielder? It's a different game, Bob. Yeah. A lot of bad base running. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> That's right. That's I bet he never out. tripled up. Well, Bobby. <laughs> no, there ain't no chance. Ain't no chance there, bud. Bobby, uh, as always, buddy, thank you so much. Uh, I'm sure you're looking forward to uh, a little bit of a break. I don't know if you go on vacation or not in between this time, but whatever you do, man, enjoy your time. Um, we love the content. You can catch Bobby at Cincinnati.com. Right? He's the beat writer for the Reds for the Cincinnati, for the Cincinnati Inquirer in USA Today. And, Bobby, if uh, the people want to go follow you on the tweet box, how do they catch it? Yeah, at Nightingale JR. Going on vacation next week, so finally uh, hitting the starting the off season next week for me. Good there you go. Any is it? Are we are we a beach guy? Are we like an oh go out west guy? What kind of what kind of uh, vacation fellow are you? I'm not really a beach guy, but my wife is, so we're going to uh, Tampa because we've never neither of us have been there. So checking out Tampa for the first time. Oh wait a minute! A lot of fun. Are you going to get a chance to go to a game? If I, I did look, if they're uh, in the ALCS, it would line up for one. Oh, I don't, I don't know how much tickets would be, but so you can't. Is there, hey, there how much tickets would be? What yeah. are you talking about? You can't just go in there and make something happen. No press credentials. I'm not. I'm not that special. I'm just. I'm just yeah. a lowly guy here. Man, you got to call in a favor with that or something. But I think yeah. you, I think you're, <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're underestimating. I think you're underestimating uh, uh, your prowess in this league, there, friend. I think you, uh, if you make a call and you're getting in anywhere. I think I need an empty stadium there, like the regular season, then I got a good chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no yeah, there, there are there are going to be plenty of seats available. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I, I, I hope you get a chance to go. You're making the, the concession on going to the beach for the wife. I, I would think she'll give you a chance to go to the game if you, if you do get that chance. So I'm hoping you do get that chance. Yeah, cool. just, just do me do me a favor. When they ask to give you a little interview, we know we know you're getting big out there. We know that the, the, all the big people are kind of be starting to come after you. Just don't forget about us little people in Cincinnati. And we, we – we really love our good writers, man. We, we, we support our writers. Well, I can't forget you guys because, well, you guys are the connections because you can go to UC games at Notre Dame. <laughs> there you go. Now, now you know, man. Now I can, now I'll get you a hook. <laughs> next time, next time I'll let you know, see if, uh, see if you want to go just to, just to make sure before I just figured you were there. I mean, it's Bobby, you know what I mean? I just figured you were going to be there. <laughs> Uh, that was the place to be. Dude, it was awesome. It was it was as much fun as I've ever had. An experience that I will never forget in my entire life. It was it was super cool. And the worst part about it is it was I don't own anything that says Cincinnati Bearcats on it. I own nothing. So I was decked out in Cincinnati Reds gear. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Even better. That's right. All right, Bobby. Well, we appreciate it, man. We've kept you again way longer than we probably should have. I apologize for that, but we really do have fun with you, man. We really do appreciate all the time you give us. Um, have a great vacation, man. Hey, appreciate it. Talk to you guys soon, hopefully. Thanks, Bobby. All right, sounds good, buddy. See you, Bobby. See you. See you. All righty. There it is. Once Talk again, man. Again. 
That dude does such a great job. I I feel so bad at the end of the interview because it's like over an hour and I'm like, oh, crap. We kept him for an hour again. You know, his wife is in the background like, would you get off of there, please? And just come to bed. Uh, I feel so bad. But at the same time, he he always does it for us. He jumps on and uh, we appreciate every single bit of it. He's a he's a great guy. Great kid. Great human being and a hell of a rider, dude. He does a really good job. All the content. I get excited, man. I get alerts on my phone every time one of his stories comes out on Cincinnati.com and I'm, I get excited about it. And I'm, you know, sometimes even if I'm at work, I just stop what I'm doing and just read his article when I'm supposed to be, when I'm yep. supposed to be working because I'm just like, I got to see what he's got to say about this. Um, covers everything too i mean some really cool stories i mean he's not he's not just saying okay this guy had two rbis last night he's talking about you know life stories about these guys and really getting into the you know uh, stuff moving around and decisions and all that kind of stuff like he does with us so yeah i agree with you does a great job so chris we have uh just a couple more actually we covered the mount rushmore so we've got one more big thing and then we'll end talking about what we're going to do with our comedy segment which we're both super excited about and if you know us and you are alive in this world you already know what we're doing so but we'll we'll talk about it here in a minute so first we're going to cover our nfl picks um we we last week was week four um you had you went into this week uh with a giant lead on me because i've been miserable and you put a, a three and oh spot up and a couple of two and ones up and you've been solid um so i'll just i'll just come right out with it we had an even we had an even week this week we were both two and one we both had decent weeks two and one both Man, two and i've one. been i've been doing pretty good over here uh been pretty spot on you are a picture of consistency right now and uh, i finally had i finally had more than one or zero wins <laughs> so i feel pretty good <laughs> myself because boy i needed this if i had another zero and three week and you had another two and one i was going to be really hurting here so my overall record is four and eight now and yours is seven and five um so i, st- I stay within that it feels massive a three-game lead feels massive but it's still we talked about it last week it's really just one really good week and one really bad week for either one of us so um anyway that was uh that was week four i don't we won't even go over each game we were both two and one let's start looking at week five this week um i've got my three picks you always have me go first. I, I want to at least give you the opportunity to go first. You're up, buddy. Go. You want me to do it? All right. Absolutely. I, Chris, am going with – I was going to say all road teams. I'm not going with all road teams. But I am going with two favored road teams, the first one being the Baltimore – I almost said the Baltimore Colts because the Baltimore Ravens are playing the Indianapolis Colts in Baltimore, and the Ravens are a seven-point favorite. I'm going to take the Ravens to win by more than a touchdown and an extra point. Oh, Monday night football. Now, remember, when we pick these, these are on Wednesday night. We're picking these Wednesday night. So these spreads can change 
uh, throughout the time. But this is Wednesday night. It's about 1030 and we go off ESPNs. Just just grabbing ESPNs app, see what the what the line is right before we put this in. So remember that when you go to use our picks to make your picks. Right. Because if if by Sunday or if by Monday the spread is eight, I'm not so sure anymore. But it's seven right now. So taking the rates. Uh, the Giants, the New York football Giants featuring Kyle Rudolph are at uh, the Dallas Cowboys. And the Cowboys are a seven-point favorite at home. I'm going to go ahead and take, even though I'm going to be rooting for the Giants, I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys uh, with as a seven-point favorite uh, to cover that. So my last one is the Denver Broncos are in Pittsburgh. You know, we, we talked last week about Pittsburgh does not look so great this year uh, so far, but they are a one-point favorite still at home against the, I believe, three-and-one Denver Broncos. I am taking the Broncos to beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. So I've got the Baltimore Ravens, I've got the Dallas Cowboys, and I've got the Denver Broncos. And again, I'm going to repeat this again, but I know what you're going to do. You are welcome to take any of the same teams that I already did don't feel like I eliminated three games for you because I'll tell you, there were some, I, there were a lot of games that I didn't want to touch. So feel free to do what yeah. you want to do. Yeah. What do you got? There, there are out there. And I'm going to tell you first off, before we keep this, get this going. Another thing that I did uh, since our last podcast was uh, speaking of Mr. Kyle Rudolph was I went down to the uh, Darius Rucker concert at, the pit, our former high school and Kyle Rudolph's former high school, elder, mm-hmm. elder high school, Darius Rucker for a little, uh, for a little shindig together for, uh, I believe raise money to redo the fitness center for like the 12th time since we were in school. Um, we, we had a little skinny area that was as long as a basketball court. That was about two feet wide, as long as basketball court to work out in uh, on the backside of the, of the wrestling gym. If you remember that. Absolutely. Uh, it was like that forever. And since then, they've gotten like five new gyms, I feel like. I feel like they get a new gym every couple of years. Um, so good for them. Well, for Kyle, them. Kyle Rudolph raised the money to or donated the most of the money to build that new state-of-the-art, modern, you know, beautiful workout facility. It's, it two, nice. it's two levels. It's I mean, it's unbelievable. And but they're still trying to to add on to that and completely finish it. So yes, Kyle Rudolph, I apparently put this concert on, um, and so you had a good time. I I, I imagine. Uh, it was a good time. There was just one problem, you know. Uh, they had a lot of beer booths there. There was quite a few. Probably one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. There's probably twelve beer booths there. Wow. And it took an hour to get a beer. And that's not a joke. I waited for an hour and then went back and waited again for 30, 30, 35 minutes. And I was like sixth in line and they cut it off at 915 halfway through Darius's set. Yeah, he still had like another hour and 15 minutes to play. It was terrible. That part they need to figure out. They're pouring every beer in a cup. They need to they need to get that part figured out because they're talking already talking about next year, what they're going to do next year. Are they going to do another one? because apparently they made a good amount of money on this. They, they did pretty good. So sure. um, very interested to see what happens for next year. 100% will, will try to get tickets and go. Um, this was a, it was a little, there wasn't as many people with this because 
after they rescheduled it for the second time, it was on Thursday night football, same as Bengals. Oh, yeah. So there was a lot of people trying to get rid of tickets and and a lot of stuff going on that way. But it was still a really good time. Really cool. Let me ask you this. So Darius Rucker became a country singer. Did he do all of the Hootie hits? Uh, He did three of them. He did three. Yeah, pretty much all. He had the hold my hand. He did, uh, yeah, it's pretty much all of them. You're right. <laughs> he did, he, yeah, he did pretty much all the comedians. Yes, one hundred percent. From what I understand, he always does. Every one of his concerts, he he plays his. I mean, you, dude, there. I mean, that was, what was that called? Cracked rearview mirror or something like that. That was one of the greatest albums ever in the in the mid nineties. I mean, that came out kind of the same time as. Uh, Bush's first album that was an unbelievable album. I can't remember what that was called. Um, that came out the same time as Alanis Morissette, 16 Stones. That was it. Alanis Morissette's album was right around that same time, uh, maybe a little earlier than that, but right around the same time. Live, remember, Live came out with that Lightning Crashes and all that. That whole that was an unbelievable horrific. album. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, so there was there was like three or four phenomenal albums that came out in like a year and a half span and 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 that hootie was one of them i mean it was hit after hit after hit after hit so the smashing pumpkins came out it was with a cool. really good album i think it was melancholy and the infinite yeah Sand. pearl jam was still i, it, I think that's there he wasn't too much wasn't too far before that, that might have been yeah vitology might have been just a couple of years before that too yeah a lot of good yeah vitology good. that was the that was the album that you bought and it literally came it came with like a book. Mm-hmm. It was a whole book when you bought that album. Yeah. Man. Pretty cool. Presidents of the United States of America, Silver Chair. I mean, should we go on and on? I mean, we, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Silver you know, Chair. Oh, man. I almost forgot about Silver Chair. Green Day was still huge out the then. pigs in that music video. Yeah. That was probably around Dookie, too. You're right. The Dookie album. That was probably the best album that they had. Yeah. Oh, man. Dude, you're right. I'm telling you, that was such an – and I feel – I had this conversation the other day. And I know we're, I'm totally screwing up our NFL picks. No. But I had this conversation the other day. And what happened to that kind of – I don't know what you call that music, alternative rock whatever you um, want to call it something like yeah i don't know if there's i mean are there bands playing music now i feel like you turn on you turn on the radio and it's all you know early 2000s late 90s mid 90s that's like the last time like bands played i mean foo fighters is still out there but they're not getting any better i ain't gonna lie to you they ain't getting any better <laughs> and but I, outside of that i mean you really don't have when was the last time you heard creed was that the last like band godsmack that was any good i don't even know yeah I, I i think you have to really find the wherever you are in the world or in the in the country or whatever you have to find that specific station that plays that kind of stuff you know and it's we had a station like that but there's no pop hits but there's no pop, there's no hits like that Everybody, whether you were in the rap country, yeah, you whether you were in the rap country, hip hop, whatever you were into back then, you still knew Hootie and the Blowfish is hold my hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I don't know. There, there, I guess there is more of like a separation 
because it's it's less mainstream maybe now and whatever band whatever bands are similar to that kind of music alternative or whatever i don't i haven't followed that music for a while um and so i don't i don't know any of it anymore like i would only go back and listen to those all those bands and, and albums that we just named um i don't know too much about current bands uh current rappers I don't, I, I'm, I'll tell you my, <laughs> when it comes to music, I listen more and more to stuff that was around before I was even born. Or when I was a kid, I'm, I'm appreciating all of this. Old... Soul man. <laughs> yes. He yes. Is a soul man. I, 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 stopped, soul. I, I stopped. As a matter of fact, I was listening to, to a few uh, podcasts while I was working today and in one podcast, Somebody mentioned Sade and I love Sade. And so I stopped it right there. And I've got like five Sade songs on my phone or whatever. And I listened to all of them right then and then went back and finished it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, nice. that is the kind of stuff that I mostly listen to. But um, anyway, we could. Now, we, there was we, like, I guess there was like the white stripes and there was in there. And then that emo music kind of came out. That kind of stuff was big for a minute. But I don't even think those kind of people are around there. I don't know. Apparently, Green Day's still out there. Who knows? Anyway, that's just, I, don't, I don't know why, but just something that came into my head. We pretty so much I need to make picks. The, that's my way of... We pretty much just did the Mount Rushmore of, like, alternative bands in the mid-90s. <laughs> From the 90s. Mid-90s. Exactly. Yes. Silverchair was so great. Yeah. Oh, I used to love Silverchair. They had like two hits. We used to we used to bang we used to yeah, we used to rock out into your uh in your bedroom to that. I remember <laughs> yeah. we turn that up as loud as it gets. <laughs> I think they're, was, I think uh, they're Australian lead, rockers. Yeah, and their lead singer was like 15 at the time or something like that, wasn't he? Wasn't he really young? Was he really? I didn't know that. I think something like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. All right, so so speaking of that, know. give me your frog map. stomp. That's what that that was oh, called, man. frog stomp. Yeah, frog stomp. Yeah. Tomorrow. All right. Anyway, uh, here's my picks. So this is a lot of this is there's there's a lot of a lot of football games out there. A lot of football games we played. Um, in fact, I think everybody's still playing football, so that would make. 16 football games out there. Same amount we had to pick from from last week, but I'm going to try to narrow this down to three that I really like. I tell you, I've been looking at this Bengals game and I hate betting Bengals games, right? I hate doing Bengals games on this, but I'm taking Green Bay. Minus three, I'm taking Green Bay. They look really good. Uh, The Bengals, I mean, they they struggled to beat. So... I'm going to go ahead and take the Bengals, uh, or I'm sorry, the Packers, minus three against the Bengals. Uh, let's see, that is going to bring us to – I just don't know enough about this New Orleans Saints team. They are they are uh, favored against the Washington Redskins, and I am going to take the Washington Redskins plus two at home in that game. Um, you know, where's, where's, uh, where's my boy Kyler Murray at? 4-0 Kyler Murray. That's five and a half at home against the Niners. Uh, I know that was a tough one. I don't know. I don't know. That's a tough one is right. Kansas City, Niners, two and a half at home against the Bills. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, because the Niners seem better than their record so far. 
you you st- I still think of them as one of the right. you know top tier teams. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, New England's one and three, but they're laying nine points to the Texans. That's tough. <laughs> yeah. Vegas is laying five and a half to the Bears, and the Bears have looked halfway decent. Um, this, is a, this is a tough little go around. Minnesota laying nine, one and three Minnesota. This is what I'm taking. I'm taking the Lions plus nine. Minnesota's laying nine points at home, one and three Minnesota versus 0 and four Lions. And the Lions aren't as bad, I think, as, as they appear to be. Maybe they are, but I'm going to take the Detroit Lions plus nine. Where's the Panthers out here? What's Carolina doing? Minus three and a half. Oh, man, maybe I should take Panthers. Minus three and a half on the Eagles. I like that game, too. Um, Sam Donald looks really good. Nope, not doing it. Those are my picks. That's what I'm going with. Got it. Green Bay, Washington, Detroit. All righty. That pretty much covers uh, this week. So we've got – we are going to switch gears instead of Michael Ian Black. We are going to, we are mutually giant fans of Dave Chappelle. And Dave Chappelle has absolutely spoiled us over the last few years, coming out with basically one or even sometimes more than one special a year for the last like four or five years. He signed this big deal with Netflix. So, but he is like cranking these things out. And I, the last time this happened, it surprised me. I didn't know that it was that another special was coming out. And I'm like, wait a minute. He just released like a double special recently. Yeah. There's no way this one can be that good if it's within another year. And he just put out a ton of material and it was really, really good as you have, as we have come to expect. Same thing. I just saw yesterday. It was yesterday, the day before. Suddenly, he's got another special out on Netflix. Yesterday. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I mean, it's like unbelievable. So uh, just, just a, a great news out of, you know, a, a, just a really nice surprise. So I feel like we, we can just agree that we're going to watch that one this week. And then next week we're going to talk about, it. it's called the closer. It's on Netflix, Dave Chappelle. A lot of people would agree that he's either the best or top two or three. Definitely right now. We got to do it. Maybe all time. Yeah. Right. Without a doubt. I'm, I'm super excited for this. We both looked at each other and we're like, yeah, we know what we're doing next week. Yeah. Like scratch it. I didn't watch this week's. I apologize for that. We just said scratch it. We'll do that later. We're we're doing Dave Chappelle right now. Absolutely. So, yeah, hundred percent. I'm 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 a hundred percent. And hopefully Adam's feeling a little better. We can get back in studio. That's right. Yep. I uh it, it the Zoom thing sometimes I feel like it works out a little bit better sometimes. Although we all, I think all of our cameras kind of slowed down at one point <laughs> this time. But they did, yeah. There was uh, a lot of break time in there, but that's okay. That'll be tough. But uh it's it's nice for uh for YouTube to put it up on there. So um that'll be good. But yeah, I I, I wasn't feeling great 
I'm not feeling horrible, but I just feel like you kind of, when you just barely start to feel something coming on, I'm kind of feeling that right now. So, um, just trying to make sure I'm safe. You were sweet enough to uh, let me know when the kids weren't feeling well a few weeks ago. And so we, no problem. We got the zoom. Let's do it. So just, we didn't want to bring anything back into your house. You guys dealt with enough of that stuff. So appreciate it. And I'm, I'm good to go. So let's make this thing. I mean, shoot, if anybody's got it, I was shoulder to shoulder with a hundred thousand people <laughs> at, uh, at Notre Dame stadium. So, if anybody's coming down with anything, brother, it's probably going to be me anyway. So These football games but, on uh, TV are making me an absolute nervous wreck because you but, can't find a mask anywhere and you can't find empty seats anywhere. I mean. One of the four people I went with was religious about his mask. He wore a mask on the whole drive up. He wore a mask the entire drive up there wow. um, when the four of us were in the car. Yeah. I'm so. He's very serious about it. So, so it was like, it was like I rode up with Adam. It was pretty cool. You know, I, the first, uh, so we're six weeks into the high school football season. The first, I think two weeks of games at elder, I did not wear a mask because I knew I was too nervous be- about wearing one because I knew no one else probably was going to, and no one else does. Um, the last like three weeks though, I've worn a mask. I've been one of maybe three people in a stadium of six or seven thousand that is wearing a mask. I'm just, I'm like, you know what? Well, that's you, man. Do whatever you want to do. Don't you yeah. shouldn't feel shouldn't feel embarrassed or anything about it. If that's how you want to do it, man, do it. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm embarrassed about it. Don't let these people. Man. Don't let these people. Uh, what do they call that? Bully. Uh, oh, uh, you know when somebody makes you makes you do it. Yeah, when somebody made a peer pressure, don't let that peer yeah. pressure get to you, brother. Do your thing. Do your thing. You, and, you and, do you, bro. You do yeah, you. And, and nobody pressures me at all. It's the, the peer pressure is all in this. It's in your brain. I know yeah. where your peer pressure is coming from. It's <laughs> yeah. in your brain. It's in your brain. <laughs> all right. So, oh, we, Lord. We have a comedy special for next week. So, we need a Mount Rushmore for next week. So, oh, a Mount Rushmore for next week. You can have, I actually wrote. Do I have two of them? No, I wrote, I wrote one down just that I was thinking about earlier this week to use whenever. So we can use this one and you can go Mount Rushmore next week. And I, and we can, we can switch it back. Like we can get back on track where you have Mount Rushmore and I have comedy or whatever. I got, I got one. I'm ready to go. What do you got? I want to do the Mount Rushmore of writing utensils. Okay. I like it. So Mount Rushmore writing utensils. Let me ask you this. Get as specific as you want. Okay. Be as vague as you want. I don't even care. Okay. I got I'm 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 up. I'm I'm gonna be as specific as humanly possible. You know, some people I, a, a good pen is very important to me, but mm-hmm. some people are really specific. I've got to have the uniball. Uh, you know, V V thirty eight seven gel, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, real specific. Some people are real specific. I love a number four pencil. No one else ever talks about the number four pencil. I need to use a number four pencil. Um, so that's one that's definitely going to be on my list. I've always, I've always been one of those number eight pencils. One of those three quarter inch thick. You know, the the actual lead in it is like a full quarter inch thick lead they don't make there's no human uh the the only 
pencil sharpener for it is usually like connected to the eraser on it. It's the only one that'll fit it. That's, That's my kind of pencil. It's just a knife that you use to whittle the thing down. That's how you. Yep. Uh, yep. That's how I sharpen all my pencils. My the floorboard of my car. I use pencils every day. I'm not. I I have pens yeah. and pencils, but I prefer pencils. And I in my truck, I have a knife. I I only use my pocket knife for sharpening pencils. That's basically what I use it for. Is sharpening that, pencils. There's that, tons of pencil stuff all over my floorboard. That makes me nervous that you're going to cut your finger while you're sharpening a pencil and driving at the same time. I'm sure. Um, and wow. don't, 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 I'm sure me. Don't, I'm sure me. Uh-huh. <laughs> People listen to this, man. <laughs> Just kidding. Chris's parents and wife. Uh, he's very, very safe all the time. All right. <laughs> no, um, I'm, I'm, buy, I'm buying you a pencil sharpener. There's no question about it. <laughs> I'm going to buy you one. You can plug into the log. <laughs> I'm going to buy, buy you an automatic pencil sharpener you can plug into the lighter. Um, there you go. I love it. Okay, ready cool. to go at all times. Cool. All right, so there you go. So we've got uh, the Mount Rushmore of writing utensils. We've got Dave Chappelle, the closer. We've got um, playoff baseball next week. We have the beginning of the NBA season next week. My brother texted me today. excited about that. Or last night, my brother texted me, no, this morning, and said, oh, my God, NBA preseason is already going on? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, buddy. NBA preseason yeah, buddy. And, and baseball playoffs going on at the same time. So we need to – next week is going to have to be a uh, – we got we to pull our – we're going to have to pull our uh, NBA uh, playoff picture, uh, who, who we're going to take for the end of the year. All that good stuff. We doing that next week? I mean, might as well, right? First, the first, the first game's the tenth, isn't it? Is the first game the tenth? Oh, did they? they so. really Am I wrong about that? I mean, the tenth. They screwed all that up trying to get it back on. They're trying to get back on track. They shortened the preseason. You're right. You're right. Uh, I is it the tenth? I didn't. Man, that is really. Huh. I'm trying, I'm trying to look on the NBA app, but the NBA app is always the worst. It takes forever. Every time I get on here, here we go. Really? So when is opening night? Let's see. Uh, it doesn't tell me if these are regular games or not. I don't know. I could be wrong. Well, all I got to do is – Season preview. Go in oh yeah, you can do the old Google, right? Let's let's tell night. let's ask Google. October nineteenth. So we're the good. first game, October nineteenth. All right, so we've got another week if we need to. We'll figure out what we're going to do next week. We'll come back, make this all happen for you guys. Dave Chappelle, utensils, sports, all kinds of good stuff. Thanks to Bobby Nightingale at Nightingale Junior, Jr. at Nightingale Jr on the tweet box, catch them on uh, Cincinnati.com, Cincinnati Inquirer, USA Today. Don't forget to turn your headlights on.